receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Well, I get to say, you know, I can if 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 you're saying, you know, this is the point of this recording. Uh, I did uh, go check out the new updated Last Jedi version of Star Tours. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, so Oscar Isaac uh, is now in Star Tours, and uh, so is Domino Hall Gleason. So uh, it is a complete. Last Jedi centric, uh, or, or rather, this this last trilogy centric Star Tours experience. Everybody gets for now. So, is it limited to that? None of the classic stuff, or well, okay. So here's the thing. Rumor has it that in about six months, they're going to give people. I don't know how it's supposed to work. Oh, they're going to vote cast members a choice between whether they want to do classic or new trilogy. Interesting. Because apparently they were getting a lot of complaints, probably from people like us, about the timelines getting crossed over. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of Darth Vader at the beginning, now it's Kylo Ren doing exactly the same thing that Darth Vader did. Right. And <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna, you know, I do feel better about that. It was bothering me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, we've never we haven't really had time travel in the Star Wars universe. It's not been uh well, it's not even brought what, up as what, what Ryan James Johnson's new trilogy does. Yeah. Um and then um but they haven't opened their VR experience yet. So Okay. Which they were saying outside in downtown Disney that was supposed to be open by Thanksgiving and it did nope. not. Nope. 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 I didn't think it would, but uh-huh. you know. You know, but that's okay. So Anyway, hey, you know, this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday the 13th. Is there anything particularly scary about that? No, not really. No. Hump Day. It's December. It's just the guys that uh, say hump day. All right. Okay, anyway, and of course, across me, across from me, across the Skype line, because again, this is from both Los Angeles and San Jose simultaneously. I'm looking at Christmas lights, and it's Rick Brett Snyder. I'm just staring at a white <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's okay. It keeps me more focused, uh, you know, to, to stare to the itinerary. So, of course, we got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news, and I do want to say up top, of course, you know, to, to uh, listen to us and, and rate us through your favorite podcatcher. But also, if there's anything we talk about, especially, you know, there's still time before Christmas. If there's something we talk about that you'd like to own for your very own, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store. Though, again, I, I will emphasize, support your small businesses in the run-up to Christmas. This is, seems like, sounds like being a, a tough season for comic shops in particular. Uh, so... I encourage that. But if there's something we talk about you can't find, you can go to the Amazon.com link uh, links or box search boxes that are on FanboyPlanet.com. 
you can also shop through ThinkGeek. We are affiliated with them, so if you go through the ad there on fanboyplanet.com, we also get a small A lot of good stuff on ThinkGeek. Yes. And, of course, if you'd like to just help defray the cost of of hosting a podcast, um, I updated the button on PayPal, so I I, I don't want to cause any confusion here. they do say if you use the donate button, you really had to be a nonprofit, and, and I'm more of a no profit. Uh-huh. So I didn't feel like you know, but that still wasn't right. So I I put up a, the the closest I could come with that I thought was more legal to hey help support this was uh, subscribe. There used to be a tip uh, thing, and they don't have that button anymore for for tip your website. Um, so that's gone. But it's so subscribe. Uh, you are not under any obligation should you choose to uh, throw a little money at Fanboy Planet to uh, you know pay a monthly subscription fee. Or just uh, that was the closest thing. I could it's come a one-time karma subscription. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm 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 happy with a two-time karma subscription if you'd like, or three or four. But uh, but for now, you know, that's fine. And so uh, you know, there were there were options and so i don't want anybody to be confused by that and of course uh you know that goes to editor at fanboyplanet.com as well as any comments criticisms commentary things you'd like to bring up i totally lost my alliteration on this one but you know what it's almost christmas so i understand (laughs) uh you can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com if we say something tonight that really ticks you off or makes you very happy right in as well of course you can interact with us on our facebook page fanboy planet you can also of course uh, find us on twitter at fanboy planet so all these ways to communicate as well as comment on the page itself uh, on fanboyplanet.com anyway, let's get to it so we got a lot of news but we've also got a top story tonight uh i promised last in the last podcast that uh an interview, a conversation that I have long felt overdue, like I had not really clicked in my head that every year I go to Comic-Con in San Diego, which I realize we should probably put on the itinerary and talk a little bit about that, uh, that oh, I, yeah. I go to Comic-Con in San Diego and the first book I buy, the first booth I, I make a beeline for, because it's always the same same place, is uh, Atomic Comics. Um, and that is... Uh, uh, Mike Wellman and Rafael Navarro, people that have been uh, friends of mine for a long time, friends of yours too, you know, and we interviewed Mike. It's a little Ooh, party Mike. booth. It's a little party yeah. booth. Yeah, and, and Rafael was kind enough to uh, collaborate with me on a on a story for Bella Lugosi's Tales from the Grave, so of course he's always going to be one of my favorite artists, aside from being a great artist, but because, you know, he was kind. Uh, and I realized I go every year, I buy the book, I say, this is great. Sometimes I review the latest issue of Guns Blazing, and I never talk to them about it. I never put it on the podcast. We never, you know, it's just like, hey, this is a long time. So finally, at Stan Lee's LA Comic Con, where Mike, who was also the co-owner of the Comic Bug comic shops in, in Southern California, uh, he was running the how do they call it, Comics Pavilion at the L.A. Comic Con. It was just good that they had comics there. And so I took that opportunity to stop by their table and finally say, you know, let's talk about Guns Blazing because the first arc was is coming to a close this month. And, you know, it's, a, it's in the vein of what happens with comics with kind of independent distribution. Sometimes it just takes a while to get through because there are these things called day jobs. So... Guns Blazing comes out about once a year, 
but the last issue of the first arc is is out, and a trade or yes, a trade collection is planning to come soon. And so I, I talked to them about it at LA Comic Con, and so here it is: Mike Wellman and Raphael Navarro. Hey, I'm at the Stan Lee's at, at the Stan Lee's at Stan Lee's LA Comic Con with, Stan, with, with Mike Wellman <laughs> and Rafael Navarro, who are the co-creators of Guns Ablazin, but longtime friends and uh, of uh, Fanboy Planet and, and uh, me personally. Indeed. I, and by the way, it's pretty, you brought up a you triggered a question for me, which is: Is he still Stan the man? I would say so. He's always going to be the man. I mean, Jack is always the king. Stan, Stan is always the man. I mean, because now he's just legendary Stan Lee, or uh... yeah, no, he's Stan the man. Definitely. I mean, he's uh, he is the uh, what do they call the the generalissimo of, of comics. He's anytime you say you know you, you you have a comic store, you make comics. Everybody's like, oh, like Stan Lee. You know, yeah, he, he's the one that Stan, in my opinion, he's literally the quintessential soul to the industry. If it wasn't for his contributions to comic books, I don't think the industry would be where it's at right now, to be quite frank. I mean, not that there was an industry before he uh, existed, but man, oh man, it certainly took to a different level of, of interest in the pop culture, thanks to Stan. Okay, okay now, now what, off his movies the last 10 what, years. what would you say about him if I told you that he does not listen to the podcast? I still love him. <laughs> I still love him. I'm just checking because hey, Raphael in particular was very effusive and eloquent about that. Oh. Was he? Well, you, you let him talk then. No, all right. Uh, so, you don't piss in a man's uh, carpet when you're in his house, you no, know what I mean? That's true. <laughs> all right, wise words. Thank you, Mike. Uh, yes. you, you guys yes. are two of my gurus. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've wrapped up the first arc of Guns and Blazes. No, there's right? still no. one more issue. There's still one more issue. Still you know, one more issue. I lose track oh, with oh, the particular story Did you read number five yet? I did. I bought, that, I bought that at Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, I'm all, somehow I managed to always be the first customer you are always at, our at first Comic-Con. Guy. And I get the first Comic-Con copy Comic-Con does out. not begin until you come and buy an issue. That, <laughs> there, it, there it is. So uh, I did read it. I think it clarifies a lot. Yes. Um, I've loved the book, even not sure what was going on. You know, I I liked that tack. So let's yeah. let's for those listening, it's uh, what appears to be from issue one, two cowboys uh, in an interesting kind of sci-fi setting, mm-hmm. but their guns are a little futuristic, and it turns out they're time travelers. They clearly know more about where they are than everybody else around them. Yeah. Well, Eduardo does. Uh, Cody's learning. I'm mean, C- Cody is sort of the eyes and ears of the reader. Uh, like, what the hell's going on here? And Eduardo's like, I'll tell you later, I'll tell you later. Issue 5 comes. Right. Eduardo finally has a moment to tell Cody what the heck's going on and thusly the reader. Right, it actually clarifies. But yeah. it's a great read up to that up to that point. And it almost makes it sound uh, like... Including this, that including point, maybe. That point. <laughs> no, but I was saying... Hopefully. But what I'm saying is if it, if it clarifies issue 5, it's still fun. 1 through 4, you just aren't sure what's going on. Right, right, right. So and you can't keep... I mean, like, I feel like as creators, it would be very irresponsible for us to keep the reader filling in the blanks. You know, like, at right. some point, it's like, you have to have a come to Jesus. You know, like, okay, this is the, this is the situation. This is what a constant is. This is how they're able to travel through time and maybe some other people aren't. You know, spoiler alert. Uh, and and it's all explained. So yeah, yeah. So what was your? I mean, I can assume why you wanted to work together. But what was the inspiration to work together on this book? I'll let uh, Raphael speak for a second. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, um, I've known Mike for oh, it's safe to say at least two decades at some point or another. And 
and and, he, and he, well, I'm just rounding it off. And, and even then, it's like um, it's always felt like I've known this guy all my life, and you know, the man's attached to the hip, or I'm attached to his hip. But nevertheless, um, I think it was just inevitable that we were going to collaborate at some point or another. We hang out most of the time. The least we could do is is work on something together. And I, and I think uh, what initially got us was, believe it or not, a. Um, a dear friend of ours actually was the one that suggested it. He's sort of in his in his own way just said, "You two hang out all the time. The least you could do is be productive and get something done." And uh, that's what came about it. Our generalissimo, yes, it was Richard Starkings. He sent the book to you know. So yeah, so the yeah, so so basically the the, the crumpet is basically out of the uh, the jar, so to speak. Yeah, a, a dear mutual friend of ours, Richard Starkings, who eventually became the editor in chief of. Uh, of uh, of the uh, of the guns ablaze and uh, yeah. Well, Anyways, yes. Yeah. So this line here actually, <laughs> I will tell you about that later. Well, yeah, in, in a second. But uh, it was he who actually suggested that we would collaborate at some point, and we were kind of thinking about it. He just sort of initialized it further because Mike and I we have the attention span of a gnat. Sometimes you know we're staring at the stars, you know, for or we are brave and and we wish we wish. We wish to reach, you know, greater plateaus and let let the meek inherit the earth, so to speak. But uh, if it wasn't for Richard, literally, you know, um, lassoing us together and just basically forcing us to work on something, it might have taken another twenty years for us to kind of, you know, focus and do something productive. So there you go. <laughs> so who came up with the concept of guns ablaze? Well, we the, we came up with a name first. We had uh, we had a name for about a year before we figured out what the hell it meant. We were at a. Uh, a restaurant in San Diego Comic Con. There's this restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but it's on. I feel, I feel like Fourth Street. I don't know. Uh, and we have margaritas and burritos and beautiful, delicious food. And we were kind of, you know, just sort of bemoaning each other about how, you know, all the movies are so loud and all the presentations there at Comic Con are so big that it's easy for a comic book artist to get swallowed up into that and get lost. So we're like, we're gonna do a project and we're gonna go out guns a blazing. That was that was the, where the name of the book came along, and then uh, I was listening to Led Zeppelin because this man's favorite band is Led Zeppelin. One night, and there's a song, and it's going to be the, the title of issue six. How many more times? Okay. And and uh, yeah, that's all we can do without having to pay. I'm right, right. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I started thinking time travel. I started thinking about you know he mentioned our attention spans. Because we wanted to do space stuff, we wanted to do post-apocalyptic stuff, we wanted to do dinosaur stuff. So it was only natural to do a time travel thing. <laughs> what did you want to do? I said I actually originally wanted to do Western. Mike, let's do Western. Mike said, yeah, let's do Western. Then a plethora of things happened all at the same yeah. time. It was basically a, a, a flood of, of all the things we've always wanted to do. Basically a big, giant Mike and Ralph burrito, so to speak. We just put everything that we loved and we put it in a big, giant burrito and we've been Next eating it. Yeah, we've been eating it ever since, so... Or feed it all to y'all. Okay, it's a good recipe. People, the people who've eaten our burrito, they they tend to like it as they come back. <laughs> it's true. I come back every year. Yeah, and, and I say that because so far it has been on an annual schedule. Pretty much, you have threatened many times to do it a little faster. Yes, I know. I I, I would love to, but then you know we have the comic shop. I have a, a nine-year-old son. Uh, we have a couple comic shops. I mean, this, you know, this this pr- production here, like, I put the last two months of my life into assembling all the talent you see here, uh, the so, panels. Let's talk about that for a yeah, second, yeah, yeah. because here we are. So, Mike owns, uh, co-owns the Comic Bug right. in Manhattan Beach and Culver City. Culver City, yep. Culver City. Uh, and, we're, and here is the Comics Pavilion. Comic section. Bug Pavilion, Comic yep. Comic Bug Pavilion 
section of uh, Stan Lee's L.A. Comic Con. Right. So you're not just a creator. I that sounded weird. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you're... You're, you're both sides of the equation. I am, and we have a panel about that on Sunday, actually, called Synergy, about how creator, independent creators and local comic shops can actually create a symbiotic relationship that helps both equations. Uh, and, and being on both sides of the fence and, and having done you know, signings at other stores and posted signings of other creators at my shop, I think I've got a perspective that can actually help and make this all better. Uh, so when you get number six up, yes. will we then see a trade? Because I, I suspect you, as the retailer, now, I feel like it's moving that way. There are a lot of people that won't pick up floppies. Right. I really hate that word, but I got nothing better. Pamphlets. Yeah. No, um, they will, but they'll buy that trade paperback. And I'm even moving to that because then it's on the shelf and I can go, hey, to somebody else, you should read this, and I've got six issues. You know? Right, right, so right. It's a lot easier to get other people involved when, yeah. when, when there is that. So we see one of those. Well, once we get uh, the uh, issue six out, yes, we're going to collect it uh, probably in a hardcover. Uh, I will buy it. All but right. it'll be affordably <laughs> priced. There's going to be some fun bonus material in there, a lot of the development of the book, a lot of... I mean, a lot of our fun convention photos, I think, will make it into the book. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, you'll see when issue six comes out that it is a complete experience. Uh, you know, hey, brother, how you doing? We, we, uh, we tried our best to, and, and we have ideas for more stories, and we might explore those. But if we don't do another Guns of Blazing after issue six, you'll be content. But will there, is there multimedia presence? Uh, uh, there's multimedia interest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been going to Paramount Studios on a semi-regular basis, and uh, we have a very uh, unorthodox executive producer in our pocket, uh, or, or we're in his pocket. I honestly think this would be like, if you go either way, you could do a, a huge, as you say, loud movie, yeah. or you could be a fun, low budget, but the CG would be amazing. Right, 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 right. Kind of, like goofy. I want to go big or go home. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. With an amazing soundtrack. I'm not trying to limit you. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, it's it's, like John Carpenter and do your own music. No, I mean, I think we would be like more like Tarantino and curate a soundtrack. All right. Yeah. All um, right. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but each issue is named after a song. I do not notice. Yeah. See, little things, little details. Little things. Um, So those songs would all be on the soundtrack. Issue one is Running with the Devil, Van Halen. Issue 2, 2,000 Light Years from Home, which is Rolling Stones. Issue 3 is The Spiral Shadow, which is a metal band, Kylisa. Uh, issue 4 is Cigarettes, Whiskey, and Wild Wild Women, which is a traditional. Issue 5 is Width of a Circle. Who's that? I don't know. David Bowie. Right. And issue 6 is How Many More Times? Well, let me talk about that briefly, too. Since you mentioned yeah. your music uh, by Led Zeppelin, uh, you get your Faith No More Mr. Bungle book. Yeah. How did that come about? That came about because a crazy comic publisher by the name of Mel Smith, love him to death, he has a company called Acme Press, and he had a list of rock bands. He was inspired by the initial uh, rock and roll comics from back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Todd Lauren, I think, was the guy that published those, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Who was murdered, and there was a documentary about him. So Mel saw this documentary, he's like, you know, I'm going to bring back rock and roll comics. He had a list he was shopping around at Comic-Con of, of bands he wanted to, to do in this series, uh, my friend Mike Oshanker saw Faith No More and Mr. Bungle on the list, and he's like, there's no one else that can do this but Mike Wellman. So he came to me. I went to my friend Matt Jacobs, who's a huge patent fan. Hey, hey, what's up, my man? I was like, dude, you got to draw this. Uh, Matt, you know, he, he demands a pretty high page rate, but we talked him down and, and got him to do it, and the rest is history. I actually, I, I uh, sent the script to Billy Gould, who's sort of, 
he's the bass player and sort of the manager of Faith No More. I said, is there anything in here that's, that's incorrect? He's like, there's one thing that's, you know, kind of factually incorrect, but it's kind of cool the way you did it. So we kept it in. And I won't tell anybody what that scene is. Okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's yeah. kind of a dream come true. So that's, it was. It really awesome. was. And I saw Mike Patton a couple months ago at a Dead Cross concert and, you know, got to talk a bit about the book. And he was like, yeah, that was really cool. I, and he said, I really like that you did, didn't just do Faith No More, that you included Mr. Bungle in that. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, living dream, I'm living man. the dream, man. Sometimes the dream. the dream lives me, but uh, often I live the dream. Yes. That's all right. <laughs> okay. Well, Raphael's off uh, doing work here. Raph, so, you want any closing thoughts, Raph? Hey, Pokemon. He's dressed like a Pokeball. <laughs> How you doing, dude? <laughs> hey, Raph. Do you have uh, any, any closing, closing comments? Um, look both ways when you cross, and but most importantly, um, dude, uh, don't if if if, if art. Or any particular pursuit of your of your dream is is what it is that's making you tick. Um, don't let anybody like stop you from it. Just just be persistent and insistent, and uh, never give up, man. Never quit. Um, just saying, man. I, I, of course, I, I blame the uh, the sparkling ice black raspberry drink that I'm drinking while I'm drawing a werewolf at the same time, ignoring Mike Wellman and you. But uh, but nevertheless, that's what it's about, man. Live life while you can, kids, because it's only you know here for so long. And I love your shirt. Oh, thank you. And uh, I want to say, uh, just to throw throw back in, I vouch that uh, Raphael is a dream to work with because, of course, someday. Our story in Bella Lugosi's Tales from the Grave oh, will will, yes. will be seen somewhere, reprinted by someone. Oh, yes. Can't say who, but uh, no, we cannot. But, uh, but uh, we'll have to let everybody know when the uh, graphic novel comes out. Absolutely, absolutely, because it is a great, a great fun read, and there are things happening with it as well. So. Let us. I just you mentioned. I didn't put it in the itinerary. A big story that you and I are on the same same side of as, as opinion wise is comic-con international in san diego just won a lawsuit against salt lake comic-con in utah salt lake city and it is over the name comic-con and we've talked about it before and finally there's i, I guess they're, they're salt lake is looking to appeal but of course, i think there was of kind of a yeah well of course but i think there was kind of a moral victory here and i know that there it's going to be an unpopular opinion there are many people i know in the industry who think that comic con international was being a bully that was a goliath winning over david well they asked for like um 20, 20 million, million damages and they got and they got 200,000 yeah 20,000 it was it was knocked down significantly yeah but Take aside the damages. Maybe that was a bit ridiculous. They should just the, settle at at something that for less with the proviso that they don't get challenged. I would think that's probably where they're going to head. You know, the interesting thing was that they had actually settled with one of the supporters of Salt Lake Comic Con, which was I can't remember the name of the, of the larger company, but the one that owns the Deseret News. And uh, no, that's not right. Salt Lake, the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, because the Deseret News would be directly church owned, and they, I don't think this was involved with the Mormon Church. Um, but regardless, it is kind of a you know. I think you and I, are, I said, are on the same side here, of the same opinion. Is that how many times have you talked to people who who say they've gone to Comic Con, right? And they haven't. They've never been to the West Coast, you know. Right, much but, less San Diego. Well, and, and it's not to be snobbish to anybody there. I think the thing is, I think a lot of people have been, you know, 
somewhat fooled. It's not snobbish at all because the uh, the little comic cons that people go to, and especially the ones that are like pay for everything, pay for pay for this, pay for that, aren't as the same prestige that San Diego Comic Con is, and so they're they're actually being cheated. yeah, and, and there is fun. I, you know, I think uh, I, I really feel that I need to write a guide to like the different levels because, you know, a few a couple months ago we had in in, in northern in the San Francisco Bay Area there was Campbell Con, right? With um, a small and they've got and now they changed and there's like Colossal Con is the one out of Merced. There's a small chain of really small shows, right? Which if you just want to go and see some local artists and there are a few a few celebrity guests. But it's really low key. That's one level. Uh, L.A. Comic Con is another level. That's the Stanley Stanley's L.A. Comic Con. Yeah. Then there is Silicon Valley Comic Con, which is getting bigger. There's the New York Comic Con, and and I don't think they need those shows need to be called Comic Con. You know, Comic Con. They don't. Silicon right. Valley Con would be fine. Right. And that which used to be Big Wow Comic Fest. You know, and which before that was actually Supercon until somebody in Florida started taking using the word <laughs> Supercon. Well, there's a Megacon. There's a Dragoncon. They can spell out the word convention, and that settles it. You know, it's not. It's the Comic Con part of it that is is their trademark. Right. I'm just tired of the comic conning. You know, right, that's right, right. that's the problem. And I do think there are those people. I don't have a thing against like heroes and villains con, but that's what you're talking about. There's right. that one where you pay for everything. Yeah. Oh, and, and for like the people, and for the at which the thing is Salt Lake Comic Con also does that. So there's a big difference. They run Fan Expo and, and do that, and there's a big difference between that kind of convention and when you go to Comic Con International. Yes, there's a lot more pay for play over there too. But aside from the cost of getting to San Diego, and and, and it can be, you know, once you're in the convention, there's so much for free yeah I, that is fun. does anybody charge I, I, for at uh, for autographs there yeah that has started happening has it happened? the autograph okay. alley has really has really become that has it way. changed okay I, but the, the reality yeah. the other reality there is that look people are, are flipping those things on ebay i do not begrudge i don't begrudge heroes and villains con particular Stephen amell actually owns a piece of it right and i don't blame him because if he was set set you know, signing his autograph for free and somebody's turning around and selling it on eBay for 200 bucks. What about the people who get their picture taken with them? Do they get charged? Have you seen anybody get charged for a uh, selfie with an, with a actor? Cause you can't flip sometimes. that on eBay. Nobody's going to buy a picture of you on. No, no, me. sometimes, but they do charge, but here's a villain con does charge that. Oh, yeah, I know seen, they do. I, I've seen celebrities do that at autograph alley. Okay. You know, and some have solved it. Like, uh, is it Mark Shepard? Um, uh, who was on Supernatural and Doctor Who, uh, I ran into him and he said that I had to give, uh, make a donation to St. Jude's. Oh, okay. That's cool. You know, and I, absolutely, I love that as a solution because I was just excited to run into, you know, Mark Shepard. It is one so, way to keep them from getting swamped, but at the same time, it's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the, you know, that's, that's true. And so there's that. Anyway, point is, I think that it's interesting and we're going to see the this story is not done, but I yeah. just wanted to say, let's say the show. If, if the two of us are there, is that the official fanboy planet podcast stance? That and I have, well, let's ask Nate's opinion, but I have nothing against salt Lake comic. I've never been. No, 
But I just think that I know that people do get confused. I don't want them taking advantage of it anymore. You I'd know, be happy. That, uh, and I'd, I've gone to the Salt Lake Fantasy Convention, which is done by the same mm-hmm. people. And that was fabulous. I would be happy to go to a comic convention in Salt Lake City. I'm sure it'd be a great show. Um, but, you know, I, I when you when you go to MTV, right, and they show you three hours of Comic-Con, um, and you think you're going to get that when you're staying in Philadelphia... You're not, you know, it's not the same thing. So you are getting cheated by people who are using and it. it. And it, it's no offense to Campbell Con, but that was a far cry from that as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to be honest. There was one disappointment with that. I, I went to Campbell Con because my friend Robin Shelby was a, a, appearing. Somebody I used to do theater with when I was, when I was a kid. We were kids together. I was an older kid. I have to say that, but you know, she was Slimer in Ghostbuster too, and, and and Lady Slimer in the the remake. Right. And so, you know, she was appearing. They had a bunch of ghosts. They had the guy that was the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man puppeteer and so forth. And so it was kind of a fun Ghostbusters weekend. And you know, my son likes that movie, obviously. But they advertised that they had like thousands of games. That there was an arcade, and oh. so that that was the thing where I lured it, and it was actually like a multi-purpose room. Uh, or a classroom because it was held at the Campbell right Campbell Community you know, Center. Civic Center Community Center yeah. so it was a classroom where they had set up like four Xboxes right with with Mames and so even Luke was like Dad I got all this on my Game Boy and yeah like, okay we don't have to stay I, you know I thought that was a little bit of a cheat because I thought it was gonna be like an arcade of oh you know old stand up machines and right that would be fun that's something my son doesn't really get to do very often but anyway blah that's all right. So let's uh, let's get to some more comics comics news. The big, uh, I mean, to me, an interesting one is that Archie Comics is reviving Dick Tracy, yeah. of all things. I mean, which is a, a comic strip has gone on forever, but I can't remember the last time that anybody has put out a Dick Tracy comic. Except maybe, maybe around the time of the movie. Yeah, Disney. I was going to say about 91, 90, yeah, I think you so. Know, and I. I I don't know if Warren Beatty still actually holds the rights or not. I think he, he hmm. had had the multimedia rights for a while because he was convinced he was going to, well, I shouldn't say convinced, determined he was going to make another Dick Tracy film. Uh, but uh, in, in this case, it's Alex Segura, who I think you remember Alex. He used to, because he worst, used to be publicist for DC. Uh-huh. And then I think he spent some time at Marvel. And he's back over at, at Archie, and he had been a publicist, but has turned has turned that into partly that into being a really good writer and has uh he's written a few mystery novels as well so i think it's a great fit to be writing the adventures of dick tracy it's it's just kind of interesting i love to see all these things with archie you know expanding and yet I, my only fear is of course will i see issue two in the same year because yeah, you know that has been that has been the problem. They announced again another. Uh, I just put on Fanboy Planet. You know, they sent me a thing for Vampironica, which I thought was a great title, a great idea to make Veronica a vampire. And then I, th- I've seen this before, and I went, yeah, I had actually run the initial announcement of Vampironica from Comic Con 2015, and the first issue was due in February or March of 2018. That's how there's something's getting gummed up in their just in their production, and I I just don't know why because every book that I pick up from Archie is so good. Have you for picked what up it the, is. the Jughead Werewolf one yet? 
I have Luke read it. I have not yet read it, but I've been right. uh, but I have been buying it, and Luke really enjoyed it. So, and I've got to say, I've been binging Riverdale. I absolutely. It, 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 you talk about your guilty pleasure right now. That you know, it is. It's like it's like eating a burger, a CW burger at Pop's <laughs> Chocolate Shop. You know, it's greasy. It's probably not good for me, but it has this vague Twin Peaks feel and. When this kind of melodrama shows up on a superhero show, I get annoyed. But on on Riverdale, it it makes sense. It's weird, although it's a very dark version of almost every character except for Archie himself. So, anyway, uh, so that's going on. Dark Horse has gone to Maidfire. We keep talking about that. Maidfire gets a new, you know, keeps picking up new people, new publishers. I think this pretty much completes it. I think Maidfire is going toe to toe with like comiXology and i don't know who else is still is out there that's also doing digital distribution but it's time to look if you want to keep everything on one uh, on one platform made fire has the, has them all now they got marvel they got dc they've got image they've got idw I think they've got oni i and they've got and now they've got dark horse i thought dark horse was the last major holdout so this is kind of interesting, and I think we're about to see digital comics wars in addition to, of course, huh. store wars. Where do you think the digital wars are going to be? Just the the people who are distributing? Because, I mean, it's kind it's kind of an uh, an interesting thing that the same product is being sold through different outlets. Right, and so that's what I don't understand. Like we've talked about before, I think with Madefire, because of the motion comics yeah. and the depth that that creates. If DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, if they were all doing that and converting every one of their books over to that, but as I we, totally uh, get it. As we noted, I, no one's done that yet. None, neither, right. not, neither Marvel nor DC have done any of the made fire motion stuff. So I don't want to, and I, I don't want to make this sound like a, a dig at made fire at all. No, it's I'm, not. It's, it's, you know, it's, because it's fine. I love those guys. They're great guys, and. And I just, I just don't understand. But I do have the Made Fire app. I do purchase things from it. I just haven't picked, purchased Marvel or DC. But will I? Maybe I don't know. You know, because I've already got it. I, I, I'm in the habit of Made Fire. I'm not. I guess that's what it is, isn't it? It's kind of you go with the platform that you're in the habit of using. So, yeah. like, you know, I don't, I don't redeem my digital codes for Marvel, even though I have Marvel Comics Unlimited. Because that's no, I just read my Marvel books that way. Uh, I read the Made Fire stuff that way, and and they've got some really cool original stuff of their own. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's just it's just interesting. And now I maybe it's not warship, but it's just interesting to see all these these platforms now in such full full direct competition. So we shall see. And along the, that line, Marvel has begun uh, with Comicsology. I thought this I I think this has happened before. And I, I know that I've seen Boom Studios do it. That's another one, by the way, that's over at Midfire as well. Uh, that there are Comixology exclusive series. And Marvel announced this week, too, that they're developing an Avengers, which is kind of a... Uh, Peter David is writing it. It's kind of a, a, a fill-in-the-background the of Avengers book. So it's almost like creating an Avengers title online for that generation that only reads online. And then they've just announced a Black Panther series, which, of course, makes also perfect sense because you've got a movie 
coming that I think is going to almost every Marvel movie seems to do this, right? It is going to change what people are thinking about the, these movies and people that have had paid no attention to the character Black Panther before are suddenly, everybody's going to be talking about Black Panther in February. Yeah, it's and everybody's going to be, gonna be looking for, for books and, and online is going to be a great little quick thing. It's going to be interesting because uh, Marvel is also releasing Rise of the Black Panther in January. And it's the same, uh, I it's at least it's uh, Tanahisi Coates doing the writing. I'm not sure if the artist is the same one, um, but it's it's a secret origins of the Black Panther. Right? Doesn't it have doesn't it have kind of the legacy imprint to it. Uh, or I don't know the the cover mock-up I've seen doesn't have any logo or numbering or anything on it. It's just the okay. The well, animation. yeah, no, I've seen the house head as well. Yeah. What I liked was I think the house head even said it's coming to a comic near you. Like they know who they're. Right. No, yeah, they said it's, it's it's in it's in uh, 2D. living two D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that better than the where's Wolverine and t- end credits uh-huh. <laughs> you know see idea is i like go ahead and market and go look we know you're excited about black panther because you've seen the trailer and right. i have you know i've been, i've been at work and people are, are talking about black panther and you're like, yeah i'm so looking forward to this and like, really you know and and but we're back again to that idea there's a there's a huge well we have this on fan uh, on the fanboy planet facebook page when we talked about the death of Thor, and uh, a friend of mine commented, "You can't kill Thor," but she hasn't read the comics, right? And I don't know how many years, well, but I know no, she has yeah. relatives that do, but she doesn't. So she, you know, she misunderstood, and that's okay. But it, it was again a reminder to me of the of, of my own Marvel myopia of. I know what I'm talking about with <laughs> when I'm talking about <laughs> comics, you know, but the movies are a different thing. And there's a whole level of fans that, and that's why there's a Wolverine podcast coming, right? Is because there's a whole level of fans that would never, that haven't picked up a comic in, in a long, long time, but they still feel an ownership and an investment in the characters because they love the movie or they movies, you know, or they just love the way it looks. I mean, if you're a Ghost Rider fan, let's let's face it. It's really because of the way he looks. But you know, you know? <laughs> the, there's a show that I've been meaning to try. I've been, I, every week I see the, I catch the promo for it on the end of Walking Dead. And, uh, and that's recorded, so I'm not watching it. But uh, Robert Kirkman's doing a secret, uh, Secrets of Comics, Secret Stories of Comics. Uh, yes, show. yeah, I really want to watch that. Have you watched uh, any of it? No, I, I, I think that's kind of a small, a minor education for people who are watching the movies and stuff, but don't know the background. They did apparently they did one about the uh, Schuster, uh, Simon and Schuster yeah. families not getting anything out of. Uh, out of I, I've Super, heard it's Superman really good. Stuff. Yeah, it looks. I, mean, I, I, I've I've heard it's really good, and it's on my list of. Uh, I catch think up. I have two two days to myself post Christmas. Wow, where no one forty eight hours. I am. Think how forty eight hours of. Well, not as many as I want as I want to, <laughs> but you know. And and by the way, speaking of Superman, you know, I I want to shout out if people aren't aware, Brian Michael Bendis, um, and why he's connected to Superman is because it was actually going to Cleveland, his hometown, and seeing Superman is why he find uh, the Superman tributes there that he decided to jump, you know, to to listen to DC's offerings. And the rumor is now that's what he's going to take over and write is Superman. Oh, that'd be but, awesome. 
but he was struck down by a MRSA infection last week. Ooh. And he tweeted out and confessed he'd been, he'd been blinded temporarily, four days of blindness. And he's suffering a relapse right now. So I'm saying this is kind of good vibes out there to a creator I love, a, a creator who has always been kind to me in our interactions and kind to Fanboy Planet. and But just in general, a giant of the industry. And yeah, he's not, he's not doing well right now. Wow. Uh, prognosis is good, but he's not doing super well right now. So thoughts out to Bendis. Um, I, I do want to also say on Marvel, let's just get to it, is that uh, we mentioned last week how Guardians of the Galaxy was getting canceled with number 150 right after you started this legacy. And apparently after Secret Empire, Marvel said, you know what, we're going to lay off the crossovers for a while. So um, yeah. I don't know what the dictionary definition of crossovers is, but they have officially confirmed that the team from uh, – uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy, that would be Jerry Duggan and Aaron Cooter are, of course, running Infinity Countdown, which I thought, well, okay, that was just a one thing, like reintroducing Adam Warlock. No, guess what it is, Rick? It's a line-wide crossover. Oh, and no. it starts with Infinity Countdown Prime involving, uh, which is Jerry Duggan teaming with Mike Deodato, uh, to stack it, and it's going to bring everybody in. So where's Wolverine? Well, if you really wanted to know, he's going to be in Infinity Countdown. You know, Prime, I, th- I, in the think artwork I, got sent. I think they're still within the the you know the legal definition of that not being a crossover if it's a separate book it's when you have existing books that characters cross over into and that's what's really really oh don't you worry that's gonna happen oh i don't know infinity countdown prime is like infinity is like the alpha marvel's been pretty good lately i you know i still look back at the uh the monsters unleashed stuff i was able to ignore the whole thing there and never had any of it taint my regular issues so yeah. Yes, because those crossover ones sucked. But the actual story of Monsters Unleashed and the creation of Kid Kaiju was a great idea. Sure. And I I, I really enjoy Kid Kaiju. I think that's a great uh, it's a great childhood fulfill, you know, wish fulfillment kind right, of hero. Right. And I think I don't know if they're doing a great job of marketing to kids. I don't know if, if mainstream comics market to kids at all. But uh, that's one you could pick up and give to your kids because it's fun. But your kid who likes kaiju, right? Because it's not the average kid to be right, terrified. Right. So speaking of being terrified, let's turn to what's in the bag. Uh, you know, what's in the bag for you this week, Rick? Oh, terrifying and stuff. And I've got dark stuff. That's why I Absolutely stuff terrifying stuff. Actually, mine's not, not all that well on it. Anyway, um, I'm going to start with one we have never talked about on what's in the bag before. And this is issue number 10 of Gene Gray. Uh, which is the subtitle of Psych Wars. This is actually the second episode of Psych Wars. And I bring this up mostly because um, this is what's going to lead, this is the book that leads into the five issue Return of the Phoenix storyline. This can be mm-hmm. a separate separate title itself before Jean Grey then comes back with issue 11. Um, on top of that, this is kind of a, it's a, it's a twisty little storyline. You may, you probably aren't. I don't think you read any X Men books, do you? No, I don't. Yeah. No. So, so the X Men X Men right They're now are numbers. well. X Men right now is a lot easier to follow than it has been in years past because basically there is X Men Gold and X Men Blue, and X Men Blue is the time time brought forward X Men from the past, uh, out of which Jean Grey comes. Uh, so this is the young Jean Grey because we know that Jean Grey from our standard timeline is dead. 
um, is currently still dead. Um, but uh, and then just pining for the fjords. And then the X Men Gold is more along the lines of the revamped the uh, the Uncanny X Men. Uh, that we got when they brought the book back together. It's Storm and Kitty and uh, Colossus and uh, Nightcrawler and uh, Old Man Logan is in that one too. So it you, you can kind of, and the stories don't, the stories have only had one crossover so far that, that was good. Um, so it's really just two main books. And then they've had a couple of, uh, individual character runs. So there's been an Iceman one, which I did not read, and there's been a. I think the Bishop one is still coming. I'm not planning on reading that one, but I no, did I like I did like the Jean Grey one, and so I I've been staying with this one, and the fact that it's leading into the Phoenix, which is supposedly going to bring the the current time Jean Grey back into uh, back into life. We'll see. How that goes. Well, she's got to come back because they've got you know X Men Dark Phoenix coming into theaters in yeah. December. Yeah. So so th- these are the reasons why we bring th- we do things like bring Wolverine back and we bring uh, mm-hmm. people back from the dead. Super. Which, by the way, you can see in. you can check out photos from that film on Fanboy Planet. All right. right. So go ahead. Um, oh, my my first book tonight, yeah. and this is the scary stuff. Is you know when I'm down in Los Angeles, I pick up some you know alternative things that I might not find at Elusive Comics and Games, and this is from Black Mask, and it's called Grave Trancers. And I was, I thought, ooh, it's probably a fun, scary book. And it's really a scary, scary book. <laughs> Creepy, um, disgusting horror film kind of, of book. It is uh, about a pair of siblings that go to find, make peace with their family past by finding their father's grave. Only they discover that the people that run the graveyard and the uh, funeral home attached to it with the chapel are a really disturbing family. And I'm thinking about this and going almost every Black Mask book that I've ever picked up has been, and maybe you've had a, you have a counter to this, but they've been genre, you know, they're, they're usually mysteries or horror. And this is straight up horror. I don't know that I'm going to seek out the rest of it it was creepy but i know there's an audience for this book and it's like it, it to me felt like almost like texas chainsaw massacre with motel hell and that i could really easily see this becoming a, a movie that would show up on shutter or perhaps if there were still drive-ins you know this would be a great drive-in film and I think that's I think that's the goal of Black Mask, and so I want to for those who love horror, and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Like I said, I, you know, I'm not going to show this to Luke. Um, I think it's worth seeking out. This book is called again Grave Trancers, from Black Mask Publishing, and it's a continuing series. It's, this is issue. It one. is. It is. I don't okay. know how long it's going to be. They don't yeah. really say that. But by the uh, way, BlackMaskStudios.com. We still have a uh, drive-in theater in town. You know. Capital. Capital still exists. I keep yeah, asking sure people, and nobody knows. No, half of it is uh, not. There's. They took half of it and made it a standard theater, but they still have drive-in over there. Yeah. I don't think the standard theater is open anymore. Oh, uh, maybe not. Anyway, I never go yeah. over there. I've no, gone right, there for because years. We've got Oak Ridge. Yeah, yeah. We've got Oak Ridge. That's you know. That's it. Well, okay. Yeah. My next book. 
we were just talking about the X-Men, and so we got kind of a theme going on here. I'm kind of bringing people up to speed on the X-Men because my next book is X-Men Blue, number 17, Cross Time Capers. And, you know, the, again, the X-Men Blue team is the one that was that Hank McCoy brought back, brought forward in time to kind mm-hmm. of give Scott Summers a look at his self and hopefully shake him out of his self-destructive uh, anti uh, society attitudes. It didn't work, and the uh, the team got stranded in our time uh, when they they actually were able to travel back in time to uh, to the era that they were from, unnamed years, because you don't want to do that math in the Marvel universe. Um, mm, I know, I do, I do want to do that math. <laughs> okay, well, you might be able to start with this one though. So, um, so, but when they went back in time to where they had been pulled from. There were already X-Men there continuing continuing their story, and so they didn't have, really have any place to go back to. So they are truly standard, stranded in our time, except for this, which start, actually started in issue 16. But issue 17 really brings it to a front that since somebody messed with the, time, uh, the timeline... Things are happening to the timeline. People are disappearing, uh, and and the last uh, the last message they get from Magneto, who is their mentor right now. Oh, you go figure that out. Um, he's he's good again. It happens. He's it good happens. again. He's good right now. Um, was to go to the basement where he had put together he had put together a time machine. So he's got a, another version of Doctor Doom's time machine there, and so they launch into uh, cross time capers. Issue 17 uh, brings us back to another, um, this is another wonderful trivia question, and it comes up in Marvel every now and then when they, tr- when they want to renew, uh, <laughs> renew their, their rights to certain uh, character, <laughs> character names. Um, so this is subtitled, Welcome to 2099, Hope You Survived the Experience. So in fact, I did see that cover. Yes, the the old the original X Men in X Men Blue go forward in time to 2099 and meet the X Men of 2099 and have fights and adventures and and then leave in the course of one issue, uh, which I'm sure was put kind of put in there to maintain the character rights to the X Men of 2099, which they do every now and then. Um, but. As well I as want... pastiche the great uh, original cover from Chris Claremont's with Kitty Pride's first thing, Welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. I believe it's uh, X-Men 131. Hope you survive, yeah. Hope you survive the experience, yes. Yes, yes. And, of course, uh, what, what, we, what we talked about back in the day, and I can't remember, I think it was in 1999 when the 2099 books came out, right? I, I'm pretty sure that was on the nose as far as 1,000 years, you know, yeah, one, 1, 000, 100, uh, 100 years, years in the future. Yeah. So, but remember when that came out, we were going, okay, it's 1999. This book is called, these books are called 2099. When it gets to 2000, are these books going to turn into 3000? And I think now, you know, 20, uh, two, almost, uh, almost, uh, two decades later, uh, we are looking at a whole series that is stuck in one year. They are still in 2099. Well, it says, yeah, the, I don't, th- I don't think it actually started in 1999. I think it's older than that. You think so? Uh, I, yeah, I think it was 93 or 94, Okay, but 
but you know, but they never. I, but whenever somebody goes forward in time, you know, when they the Spider Man from twenty ninety nine, or mm-hmm. the Ghost Rider from twenty ninety nine, or the Hulk from twenty ninety nine, or you know, uh, was there an Avengers? I don't think there was Avengers. No, there was not an Avengers. Um, but the X Men, it's always still twenty ninety nine. Welcome to twenty ninety nine. So. This this uh, it's actually a decent decent book, and again, it's a it okay. Trivia be- question out there. Sure. Which which title in the twenty ninety nine line did not have a present day analog? Oh, you know, uh, that was Doctor Doom, right? Yeah, um, I can't remember. I'm gonna slap my head when you they said Ravager. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Also unique because I think he may have been the last regular series ongoing that was written by Stan Lee. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But again, this is a good. This is not a bad. Actually, go back it and find issue sixteen. It's not a bad jumping on point for the X Men Blue because they, because they're introducing themselves to people from other times. They retell their origin stories again as why why they're displaced yeah, in time. So there you go. By the way, I checked the notes. Um, grave transfers is one word. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, everybody, you got to hear a little housekeeping happen. My next one is, uh, I will admit this, because the font and the lighting was so bad at, at, at the store where I, saw, where I saw this book. I thought I was reading number one, but it was actually a three that had almost no curves in it, but that didn't matter. <laughs> it was, uh, this book is from Albatross, which is... Uh, Eric Powell's publishing company. This is the guy who did The Goon, who I love. Yes. Albatross Funny Books. This is, out of Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Brendan Small's Galacticon. And this was like when I was a kid picking up an issue of Heavy Metal. You know, last week I, I recommended Barbarella, which turned out to be a pretty good read. And this week I'm saying you can find this, this going on. I think it, what I appreciated about this book, I love sometimes picking up a book in the middle of the series. It's actually issue number three of six. And it was silly, sexy space opera uh, that it didn't matter that I was coming in the middle of the story. It, I, I almost I thought that it, perhaps that's what it was going to be. It was like each issue would be would turn out to be a self-contained story. It's not. It's just that Brendan Small actually did a really good job of making it so that and I mean, this is positive. I could go back and get the first two issues, but I don't need to. The characters were compelling enough. The situation was compelling enough. He actually begins with kind of a corporate, uh, literally a corporate am- am- empire. <laughs> you know, people in suits and ties just kind of sitting around in their spaceship going, well, we want to work with this guy. But if you know the name Brendan Small, it's the guy. he is the guy who, for Adult Swim, uh, created Metalocalypse. Right, uh, right. And uh, home movies before that, I don't think that was Adult Swim. Um, I think it became part of Adult Swim, but it wasn't. I think that was an MTV. There you go. Thank you. So, and Galacticon is apparently also a a musical group for him. Uh, so there's an al- an ad for the album on the back. And so this was just kind of fun in the vein of Barbarella, in the fun, in in the vein of heavy metal, Richard Corbin comics. I also got a little vibe of like Captain Stern and it was a good throwback. I really enjoyed it. Now this does, it is clearly this one kind of had a cliffhanger to lead into the next issue, 
But again, I didn't feel like I had like I needed to go back. I think, however, when there's a trade paperback from Albatross, I will pick up the trade paperback. Cool. Yeah. What's next on your stack? Okay, so next on my stack is is uh, I'm very Old very I'm very happy with this book. Um, this is a Bug issue, The Adventures of Forager, issue number six from Young Animal. This is mm-hmm. the the product of Lee, Michael, and Laura Aldred. Um, yes. And Aldred. it has Allred. Um, it has uh, all the sensibilities we expect from an Allred uh, product. And it's wrapping up a fairly cosmic. It, it, Forager, of course, is uh, Bug, who is a s- kind of like the lower class New Gods characters. He he did fe- feature in the original Fourth World uh, series by Jack well, Kirby. If, if you've seen Justice League, the Parademons are sort of the evil versions of the Bugs. Right, right. Well, sort the bugs of. the bugs don't have wings. They're kind of a they're kind of a high. No, no but worker, I'm saying they're they're, they're sort of, they're a new Genesis analog for the parrot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the cover on this is is terrific because you got just about it's like you can you can use this cover and say okay who's that and who's that because it's, it's all the all the uh, forever people new gods and and uh, you know they're all they're all basically uh, on the wall. Remember the wall in uh, mm-hmm. in the, the fourth wall. world. Yeah the source wall um and forager is kind of like uh wondering why they're all on the wall but it's a it's a it's a trippy cosmic uh allred style story that it plays with the fourth world in a way that you know most people approach fourth world stories from a real stodgy kind of uh almost stiff manner i'm i'm dismissing for the moment uh the current run of mr miracle because you know because um, but it's its um, own thing, baby. It's yep. its own thing. Um, but the, uh, when you, when you approach Jack Kirby's mythos, you don't, you don't play around with it that much. This one does. And in some amazing ways, there is, there's, there is something that happens with the wall that you would never expect to happen. I'm not going to spoil it, but when you get to that page, you just go, Oh my God. Uh, how could that how could that never have occurred to anyone before? Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to picking that up. This this is this is a fun book. This is the last book in the uh, in the series. It's got a, f- a backup story that I haven't read yet. It's uh, fairly dense, uh, prosy, w- wordy stuff. Um, I I don't read a lot of Young Animal. Um, in fact, I've I've been closing down the stuff I read on Young Animal, but I have really enjoyed this series. So, uh, bug number six. All right. I'm going to end with a very interesting thing from Boom Studios. Today, the first issue of Judas came out by Jeff Loveness and Jacob Rebelka. And I was kind of approaching this one with a little bit of trepidation, although I am I am fascinated by the, the story of Judas. And this is, I got to say, great I'm moved by the art because it almost looks like it's drawn somewhat in a style that's both comics and almost like medieval illumination. There's a very purposeful, uh, purposeful flatness to it that makes these biblical figures look like your vision of biblical figures. But it's the story of how Judas kind of reconciles himself after basically being sent to hell. Oh. for the betrayal of Jesus. There, there's no pulling punches on this. I, and I know that there are people listening 
who will absolutely not pick up this book because they might consider it sacrilegious. I don't consider it sacrilegious, but I understand and respect if you do. But this is really top-notch storytelling, exploring the question of what what if you find yourself basically trapped in a story and you are the villain. You're aware of yourself as the villain and feeling like you cannot play any other role, which has always been a problem for me about Judas as well. And so this is Judas being aware that this was his fate. Why was he not forgiven if this was the role he was born to play? Yeah, it's one of those philosophical arguments that everyone... Yeah, so how often do you really pick up? Well, usually when we're dealing with biblical figures in, in edgy comics... Yeah. Is they get to the philosophy of it. And so this is really, to me, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it was an even better read than I would hoped. And it's four issues, and it, it is sprinkled, not liberally, but, but with enough actual scripture to remind you that, you know, whatever you might say, Jeff Loveness knows, knows his, his biblical passages, knows the scripture, and has really put a lot of thought into this story. So... It's not for everyone, but it was definitely for me, and I just want to throw that out there. This is is an edgy series that I think is going to provoke a lot of thought and a lot of it's, a lot of conversation. It's so interesting I, that in, in comics the, that so much of biblical biblical mythology or biblical uh, philosophy has been brought to us in books that people would look at and say that's inherently. Heretical. I'm thinking primarily of of uh, Lucifer and mm-hmm. and uh, Hellblazer, that they both uh, dabble in understanding and trying to explain, and sometimes uh, uh, working through the these philosophical problems that that come from uh, mm-hmm. not only Christianity but other other religions as well. It's, it's it's a way for the creators to go through. There's also a great yeah. novel if you haven't read it uh, by Christopher Moore, Lamb. The Gospel According yes, to Jesus' yes. Childhood Pal, Biff. I, yep. I, I recommend that all the time. And and, uh, and uh, not, a, not, not a comic, although it would be, be a great comic, my God. Uh, C.S. Lewis, a uh, famous uh, writer, philosophical, the, the, uh, Christian the philosopher. The Screwtape Letters. Man, that is just such a... I think a, someone has adapted that. Oh, I've got to look for that. Uh, we have to look. We have uh, to look. I think it is. And if somebody knows, you know, write in. And if nobody has... Then hmm, we got an idea. Find the uh, no, find the find the audiobook version of that because it's read by John Cleese. Yes, I've I've heard pieces of it. Uh, you know, I you know me, I, I read my books the old fashioned way. I I read them one leg at a so, time. So uh, one absolutely. Let's uh, speaking now. It's not speaking books, but I do want to transition because I'm I'm running short on my own self imposed dead, dead deadline because of course we start talking about comic stuff and, and we always go far. This week, uh, you know, I, by the way, I went to see Justice League again last night because, you know what, AMC, if you were a member of their, their premier uh, membership card, you got Tuesdays for $5 if you were willing to take the gamble of not buying your tickets ahead of time. Oh. If you go to the box office at your local AMC on Tuesday nights, there were $5 seats. Interesting. So I went to see Justice League again, and I liked it better the second time around still feel like there's a lot 
missing from it, but that's okay. I, I was glad to reaffirm that I will enjoy having the Blu-ray and popping on certain, you know, to watch it and to, to feel like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm seeing this happen on screen. You know, it is fan service and that's okay. And so this past, this past weekend, Warner Brothers kind of revised again, their slate of DC films. We are, of course, we've got Aquaman and Wonder Woman 2 coming. They confirmed they're going in for for Flashpoint, which I think is going to serve as Justice League 2, basically, because this is their chance to bring, as somebody pointed out on the Facebook page, that, and I wish I could remember who it was, you know, said, when you think about Flashpoint, the most important people are the characters that everybody actually liked out of Justice League. It's Aquaman, it's The Flash, and it's Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah. and, you know, Batman's there, but it would be Thomas Wayne. So right. I think I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to come in. It's a way to kind of deal with Flash's backstory and baggage without actually retelling the origin. So it starts to make more and more sense. It's just frustrating because we've seen so little of this Justice League on screen that, well, there it is. But they can't, I guess Warner Brothers really can't justify doing a Justice League 2 Flashpoint will cover it. As well, they confirmed they're going to do Justice League Dark. And so uh, they also uh, mentioned that The Batman, uh, which I believe is Matthew Reeves still, uh, they're planning that. And Shazam. So those things we know, maybe not as tightly tightly tied together as they had originally announced. I went back to the original announcement back again in 2015 and went, wow, a lot has changed. So the Black Adam film... Not mentioned. Yeah. Not mentioned. Which, yeah, I I, that, you know, I think that I thought that was going to die out. Nobody's talking about him for Shazam. And the reality is The Rock has become like the Guillermo del Toro of actors. Yeah. He announces a lot of projects and then they don't happen. And if he, and if he is serious, I, I'm not condoning or, you know, promoting. If he is serious about trying to make a presidential run in 2020, well, guess what? We're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... His movie career, he's got to stop committing to stuff if he's serious. I don't know if he is. But anyway, so the villain said, apparently there had been a death. I missed completely. There was supposed to be a Deathstroke solo film, which is hinted at by Justice League. Right. Uh, that was not mentioned. Suicide Squad 2 is back on. So what I would hope is stop making movies that are just little fan services that like, well, I, I can enjoy these scenes. I'm fine with that. Justice League, I can say now I, I know what scenes I enjoy. But... I would like a movie that I want to sit through and really savor instead of like, well, this was good popcorn, you know, and that's, that's what's so of course this week, the, the last Jedi is opening. Got, got my tickets. I believe you do as well. Or, or you've just decided there will be a seeing thousand screens at a theater. Friday at five o'clock. Okay. I'm seeing it. Reserve seats. Uh, seeing it at eight o'clock on Friday. Rumor bubbled back up that the Boba Fett solo film is back on. So, in addition, I saw a poster for Solo last week, which, of course, then was really just the word Solo. So, it wasn't that impressive. But <laughs> What font did they use? <laughs> the, you know, it was. It was the Star Wars, you know, okay. the classic Star Wars thing. But it's just funny. I'm like, ooh, I saw it up on another news site. Ooh, somebody see this Solo poster. It's like, it is just the word Solo. You should nothing. put out an Ewoks poster just for, yeah. I, well, I'm sure people do. Uh, of course, this weekend, it's funny that they're doing it on weekends. Uh, again, out of this Brazilian Comic Con, where DC talked about their films 
uh, Sony launched a quick little teaser for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated Miles Morales film. Yeah. So uh, I think that's cool. You can see that on Fanboy Planet. You can also see the teaser for Ready Player One. Now I know you're going to gush, oh. so I don't want to get too do- too deep into it. I'm, I'll just say I'm more excited about that than I am Last Jedi. Okay, I think that's a, that's that's fair, and I think if you ha- if people haven't read the book, I've been trying to find my excitement. I am excited about it, but I think it's also that excitement is, I will say, Derek's unpopular opinion. Even as I am as guilty of this as anyone else is, Ready Player One is the ultimate fandom has disappeared up its own rear end because it is so self-referential and it is totally aimed at those of us who were steeped in really late 70s and and 80s pop culture you know even the disappointment discovering that ultraman cannot be in the movie though he's a crucial plot point in which i remember just squeeing while i was reading yeah um he cannot be that's why the iron giant is there but easily replaced though i mean well yeah no how dare you but but but, you 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 just don't squee as hard yeah i'm just saying it's it's a story that is I, I, where I want to find the excitement is there is a darkness underneath. This is a movie about, this is a novel and I assume a film as well about a dystopia. Certainly. And, and the breakdown of society. And I think we all get excited by the, by the lights. <laughs> it's so shiny. But it's also a, about hope in that, in that environment. Well, but, but it's also Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Which at least this trailer did not include the strains of pure imagination. So I was grateful that they that they took that that away yeah. and and tried to create something. But that's what it is. And so I just want to you know I, I want to say there it is fun. But I'm also feeling like man, are we just totally just eating the cotton candy and going yes 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 and 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 giving the depth? I don't know. So I, I'm just throwing an unpopular opinion out there. Even as I know, look, I loved that novel. And the reason I sought that novel out, and it's to go back again to that dystopian idea, was that I had heard a talk from a psychology uh, professor at a conference that when someone asked, like, well, what, you know, what is the Internet going to look like? And he said, if you want to understand how it's what I think our interaction with technology is going to be, read Ready Player One. And that's why I sought it out. And I thought, yes, that's that could easily be very where we're headed. The only thing I'd say is Ernest Klein kind of ignored the geopolitical ramifications. I find it very hard to believe that say uh, certain nations in the middle East would give into Oasis, but it's not an issue for the book because right. it's not germane to the story. So I know those are things that distract me, but I'm looking forward to it. I think the trailers is great. And then the other trailer that dropped this morning was annihilation from the Southern reach trilogy, which I have not read, but I have two months. <laughs> it's actually available in one volume now. The, yeah. Oh no, yeah. no. I linked to the one volume. Okay. Uh, yeah. On family planet. So if you go and watch the trailer, but there it is, you know, Alex Garland, who did ex machina wrote and directed this adaptation of the Southern reach trilogy. And right there, all you have to say is the guy who wrote and directed ex machina has come up with another thinking adult science fiction film. I'm there because yeah. ex machina was so good. Yeah. So, oh, the novel's, I, novel's great too. I mean, I mean, the the trilogy's great too. So, no, the Southern Reach trilogy. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Not Ex Machina. So, that, the that, source that, material. The, the source material is is just waiting for somebody to deal with it. Yeah. 
There we go. So, uh, well, it's being dealt with. So I want to turn to TV. Netflix announced, of all things, She-Ra <laughs> is coming back. I don't think... I don't, it's DreamWorks Animation. I don't think they've dealt with He-Man. So, no. I mean, I know She-Ra was a separate show, and that's okay. I, I, I admit this. I'm going to confess now. In college, I worked... This is why. I worked at the movie theater that had it. Uh, I did see a couple of times... Uh, she, he managed She-Ra, The Secret of the Sword, the theatrical release that introduced the concept of She-Ra that immediately spun into its own television series. And right. in college, that's the one when I claim, like, I wasn't in Transformers. Orko just cracked me up, so I actually did watch at least the first season of He-Man uh, in college because I just thought Orko was a funny character. And I, I thought, man, if people didn't like the Clark Kent Superman thing, how does no one get that Prince Adam is He-Man when they look exactly right? right. <laughs> There's not even glasses. So uh, it's the cod piece. It's got to be the cod piece. Anyway, so She-Ra's coming back, and it's uh, from uh, some of the creators of, I think, Lumberjanes. So it's you know, it's kind. It can be really cool, and this is. I get frustrated. My my own daughter now is in college, and I feel like. Why weren't these things here ten years ago when my daughter could have, you know, could have used? She's still into comics occasionally. In fact, I just she did confirm for me at Thanksgiving. She I bought a Lumberjanes omnibus edition for Christmas last year, and she loved it. You know, so um, I just kind of, you know, I wish that uh, these things had been around earlier. But I'm glad that they're getting it. The Punisher is getting a season two on Netflix as well. I have not finished the first season. I only watched two episodes and got busy, but I thought it was good. And then yeah, after, I, if I we want to follow it, up I, on, Oh yeah. Okay. You haven't watched. No, I, watched, I, I, it was a great character. The, the interpretation, interpretation, interpretation of the character for defenders was terrific. So I'm, I, I want to get right. to it, but there's just other stuff on the stack. You know, so much, so much, and uh, including, good lord, Happy. I did watch the first episode of Happy last week. Did you watch that? Did it make you happy? It is bat guano insane. Uh, and moving even already beyond what the graphic novel or the original miniseries was. Grant Morrison Hulu? is an executive producer. And no, it's on sci-fi. Oh, it's on sci-fi. But okay. it was magnificent. The first episode was fantastic. And... You know, I mean, you've got this hard, hard-boiled, you know, mob crime drama with a suicidal hitman who was next cop, and then you, and and that alone with Christopher Maloney would have been a good character to be like, oh, okay, I want to see this guy in his self-destructive path. But then, of course, you throw in Patton Oswalt as a little blue flying unicorn horse. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's that show is is a it's, little it's, a little Oswalt goes a long way. Oh, absolutely. So uh, then, you know, we were talking about Christ on Earth X, and then last week, you know, CW Seed launched the first six episodes of The Ray. I assume there will be more Freedom Fighters. The Did Ray. you watch them? Uh, I reviewed them. You watched them because I wrote a review of all six episodes. Okay. Okay. Sure. Right. Yes, of course. Right. You need more <laughs> potassium in your diet, don't you? No. no, because you commented upon it. You you were asking me questions on Facebook about, like, was this this? Was this this? <laughs> You know, we were having a conversation, Rick. I, you know, I was sitting next to you holding your hand in the home. Now, uh, no, anyway, no. No. But uh, what is interesting is, you know, on the live action DC's Legends of Tomorrow, where they actually introduced Russell Tovey as the Ray, 
And these two series were actually developed separately. I mean, the Crisis on Earth X crossover happened because they were developing Freedom Fighters The Ray, which, if you watch it, sets up the potential of all the Freedom Fighters to have their own series, little animated series, and for, you know, another potential live-action spinoff because Legends of Tomorrow has a gap uh, in their lineup. Uh, they got rid of Firestorm. Right. So Russell Tobey may be crossing back over from Earth-X and joining the Legends of Tomorrow. So we may have the Ray as a regular character in the back half of of that show. So I'm kind of it excited because I liked the character a it lot. It makes total sense for him to cross over because he's actually from the standard Earth, Earth-1, Earth-Prime, whatever they're calling it. It's Earth-1. It is Earth-1. It's, Earth it's, okay. it's an arrogant Earth. It's Earth-arrogant. Um, you know, again, where is that storyline that says, <laughs> yeah, where they're all all these alternate Earths are fighting over? We should be Earth One. Why are you? Yeah. Get, why do you get to be it? Uh, someday they'll explain that. But anyway, I'm excited about that. And so, as uh, we wrap this up, we are going to be in the same city and therefore looking at each other uh, across the table, whether it be in a public place or not. That sounded really creepy. <laughs> that sounded um, weird. But you know, free Christmas. I we again, we might be we might go to Seven Stars. That might be a bad idea. No, I, I, I don't think it would be. I just got to see what my work schedule ends up being. Yeah. Uh, although I, I, I realize it may not be. Wait, did we say the twentieth? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, the twentieth. Uh, I may have a conflict on that night involving my son. I have to double check that. So, but we will schedule something for next week, and we will. I think it's a great idea to try to do it with seven stars. So we will schedule something and try to make that happen as a public, public uh, appearance. Um, but regardless, uh, we will do another, and we will have one last interview out of the Stanleys at LA Comic Con, and I, I'm not going to say the best for last, but I think a very fun product uh, that I really okay. I'm going to say it. Super Emo Friends. If you have not looked at Super Emo Friends uh, and these little little art things, they're great, and and we kind of collect them and they they're sold to great stuff. And I finally talked to the creator of Super Emo Friends because I always laugh when I see them. So, uh, we will talk about that. And, of course, as I said, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, yay, I got all the alliteration right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.